Hello and welcome to This Way Up. In this series, I talk to a number of leading women in the creative industry, looking specifically at the good, the bad and the ugly of their career. In this episode, I talk to Margaret Johnson. Margaret is the Chief Creative Officer at the famous ad agency Good B. Silverstein and Partners, a pretty famous agency uh, in the States. And they are famous for producing big ads, Super Bowl ads, for the likes of Doritos, Pepsi, and much more. So you see, it was a pretty big deal to get to talk to Margaret, and I was glad that I managed to capture her story over Skype recently. We met at South by Southwest when I saw her do a talk, and straight away, I really wanted to capture her story. Because you see, there's not many women in her position, both chief creative officer and partner of her ad agency. We talk about the fact that there's only 3% of women who are executive creative directors in the world, let alone chief creative officer or partner. In fact, when we go into her story, it's quite apparent that Margaret knows what she wants and she's not afraid to get it. But she also makes sure that she'll take other women with her on the journey. There's a lot that we discuss. Um, one thing that stood out was the fact that she loves to do her own personal projects along with her day job. For example, she recently created an augmented reality app with her daughter that celebrates the stories of women typically omitted from history textbooks. Anyway, I could go on, but instead I would like her to do the talking. So enjoy this close-up look at Margaret Johnson's fascinating career. Thank you so much, Margaret, for coming onto the podcast. I'm really excited to have you on the show. I'd like to start the way I always start my podcast, which is um, how did you get into advertising? I went to the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill and went through the journalism school. And um, really, the, the summer between my junior and senior year, I was looking for a summer course I knew there were tons of advertising agencies in New York and ended up taking a summer school class in advertising at Parsons School of Design. And, right. uh, and that's where I really found out that advertising was something that I was genuinely interested in and wanted to do as a career. Was it through the school or did you see some ads on TV and you thought, do you know what, actually that's really for me? I think it was more emotional than that. I think I just, right. you know, I studied a ton of journalism, more like news writing when I was mm. in Atlanta, but when I got to Parsons, it was more design focused and I yeah. learned about, you know, being an art director and thought, wow, this is, this is awesome. I can kind of be an artist and get paid for it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So did you, so you started uh, obviously, it's sort of mastering copy, but you went more into art direction. I did. I did. Wow. That's amazing. So you really ha- have half and half. Um, I do, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I, think I always say that art directors make the best editors, especially when they have uh, you know, a background in journalism. Oh, interesting. So how did you land your first gig? Um, you know, I had studied, like a lot of people did during that time, like all the awards annuals and there was this one art director that I was really really drawn to and his name's uh, Jeremy Poster and I loved the way his 
work looked, and I'll say I loosely patterned my portfolio after his. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, ironically, he had worked here at Goody Silverstein and Partners and, uh, and done a lot of beautiful, beautiful work for cruise lines and um, Finlandia Vodka. Right. And just some, some beautiful, beautiful print work. And so I would try to emulate his his style. And so when I mm. had a portfolio together, I sent it to him. And believe it or not, he, he liked it probably because it looked a lot like his. Uh, but he gave me my first my first break and hired me uh, as a junior art director. Oh, amazing! So straight away you'd you'd sort of sorted out your portfolio and then sort of showed it to him and and he gave you a break. That's right. I mean, I left Parsons and um, you know left and went to the Portfolio Center in Atlanta, and that's right. My portfolio together, and from there, you know, I got connected with with Jeremy, and he gave me my first break. And what was that like? Can you paint me a, a picture? Did you find it, you know, difficult at first or actually sort of took like a dug to water? Um, no, I just liked it immediately. You know, working with a writer and taking on projects. I worked on Kids, uh, which was a fun account, and um, a place called uh, Leonard Bonahan, Lou Morris, and Kelly, and it was in Providence, Rhode Island, and Jeremy was the, the creative director there. And it was just a ton of fun. It was great working under someone that I truly admired. So you had like sort of a, a bit of a mentor and he nurtured you. But were you teamed up with someone or were you working on your own? Yeah, I had different partners while I worked there. But yeah, no one person. And I wasn't there that long, actually. I ended up, um, Jeremy ended up leaving. And uh, coming back to, he had left Goodby for this job in Providence, Rhode Island. And then he left Providence and came back to Goodby. So when he left, I moved on to my next job. But did you go straight to Goodby then? No, I went to um, the Richards Group in Dallas. Right, I see. And what was that like? Uh, it was awesome. I loved living in Dallas. Um, I did a lot of great work for Continental Airlines. I think that was my first piece of work that ever you know, got recognized in the award show annual, so that was a big deal for me at the time. And did you know anyone there originally? Or? Yeah, so I didn't know anyone at, um, at the Richards Group, but there was a, a guy named Grant Richards and um, another uh, writer named Todd Tilford who reached out to me and, and wanted me to, to come interview, and, and I did. And I ended up working for them for a couple years until Grant um, left the company and he came to work at Goodby. How old were you when you started there? I'm trying to sort of paint a picture at Goodby. I was quite young. I'd only been in the industry for like maybe two and a half or three years. That's amazing. So, you know, I just I just remember one being always frightened of um, of creative directors and and showing my work. And it was just, you know, always a bit daunting. But I can imagine being in your shoes. Not only did you have to do that, but you also went to Dallas, you know, a different massive town the city and you know really pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and then again at Goodby yeah I think you know for me I grew up in a small town so I was kind of anxious to get to a bigger a bigger city yeah just draw inspiration from lots of different places when you're a creative person and I find that being in a bigger city helps you do that and you weren't scared at any point you just sort of went for it I was just always excited 
yeah, I was yeah. ready to go for it. That's really, really impressive. So tell me, how, how was it like at Goodby when you first started there? It was small. We, uh, we were in a little building down by the Embarcadero, so down by the water. And uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, back then there were, there weren't really other big creative directors. It was just Jeff and Rich. So I ended up being mentored by these, you know, advertising icons. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty incredible. Definitely. And and was it nice because it was small? Could you be more honest? Can you have sort of more of a, you know, a closer relationship? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel like I learned so many valuable lessons from both, you know, Jeff could be and Rich Silverstein. They're both incredible, yeah. incredible creatives, but um, yeah, great, great mentors, great teachers. What do you think was the kind of biggest lesson um, maybe at that time, but also as you sort of grew up in that, in that company? I think Rich always encouraged me to keep things simple. In terms of your ideas? Yeah, keep your ideas simple. Just easy to understand. You always want to be able to describe it in an elevator pitch. Um, and then with Jeff, I would say he would always encourage me to you know, come at an assignment in a way that that no one else would, yeah. you know, unearth an insight that no one else has. Could you explain maybe how it works in terms of how uh, a brief comes in and how you sort of crack it within Goodby and Silverstein? Is it different, do you think, compared to other agencies? One thing we do here is something called a kitchen table. So mm-hmm. when a brief initially comes in, we'll bring in the creatives, the strategists, the account people, um, maybe even somebody from, you know, business affairs. Uh, someone from our innovation lab and we all wow. sit together around one table and just throw ideas around. Sometimes we'll bring pictures and put them up on the wall. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a briefing, but everyone's involved and it kind of directs the way the creative is going to move. So it's, it's very collaborative. Very collaborative. Cause the reason I, I asked you that question is when you said, you know, about trying to find a, an insight that is very different. And I completely agree with you. It's uh, it's lovely that sometimes, you know, in other agencies, they might say, Oh, well, that's a strategist role rather than the creatives role. Yeah, I feel like great ideas can come from anywhere. And yeah, we're big proponents of listening to whoever has the most interesting thing to, to say about a brief. And so because you've been there 20 years, um, could you paint me a picture of what it was like sort of really literally sort of growing up in the, in the agency? Well, the industry, you know, has, has changed a ton. Yeah. Because when I started working here, there were really only, you know, a few mediums. It was just, you know, television, uh, radio, That's right. and print. So it was much simpler back then. Now we have so many different platforms um, going simultaneously. So the agency has, has had to change quite a bit over the years because the landscape's changed. And and as a, as a creative, obviously, did you always find that you needed to adapt as it was changing? Well, I remember um, after I had my first child I came back from maternity leave and the whole industry had changed Um, Mm. that was really when the the internet started blowing up and I remember thinking to myself oh my gosh I've got to I have to really change as a creative person Mm -hmm. I have to change the way I approach an idea and I need to 
you know, I could see it was funny because having that time away gave me perspective and I could see other people saying, oh, this is just a trend or this is, you know, I'm going right, to yes. do, you know, my, you know, more traditional way of thinking about things. And, and I, I could see that it wasn't going, it wasn't going to go well. Like you needed to get no. on board or, or, or jump ship. So I got on board and it was, I think like later that year, I did a campaign um, for Haagen-Dazs, and that was one of the first big 360 campaigns, one of the first integrated campaigns um, in the in the industry, and it was something I was really proud of because I had you know been away, I'd grown up at the same place, thinking you know pretty traditionally for a long time, and um, had the benefit of a little perspective and, and came back and and had a lot of success with the, the Honeybees came in. Yeah, no, and I think that's absolutely brilliant. You just kind of took the horns, but <laughs> you sort of wrestled with it and made it such a great campaign. And and it's also, as you said, sort of so important to sort of stand out within the industry and not, you know, being able to sort of know that it's not just a trend and it's just going to go away, um, which is pretty impressive. Um, but before it was sort of delve into the different projects, because there's a few that I'd love to talk about, um, you mentioned that you you went on maternity leave. I obviously you're a mum, and um, I just wanted to know if that how was that within Goodby and Silverstein? Was there any difference? Um, obviously, there's not many female creatives, uh, let alone mums. Um, was there any difference? Well, I feel like it was maybe the the time of my career where I was the most vulnerable. That's for sure. Uh, okay. Coming back from maternity leave, and I see, you know, like guy creatives in the department had had leapfrogged me in the six months that that I'd been gone with my, mm. my first. Um, and I remember worrying, like, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to catch up? Am I going to be able to handle this job because <laughs> it's an intense one, uh, and be a good mom and. Yeah. What I pretty quickly learned was that having a kid was the best thing that ever happened to my career. <laughs> every big promotion that I've gotten has happened after having kids. And amazing. I think that having kids like really gave me um, confidence. It made me more efficient with my time. If someone was Wasting my time at work and that they were taking time away from me, spending it with my, my kids. So I just became better at my job. Decisions came to me faster. So you say you, you sort of gain this sort of confidence. What, as you said, is it because you just didn't want to miss time with your kids? Or was it also because, you know, you sort of had to believe in your skills as well? Uh, I think but, both, but I think initially... Yeah. initially it was, I wanted to be great at my job and I wanted to be a great mom. So I was trying to balance the two. And then over time, yeah. I, that, that gave me the confidence that, that I needed to really creatively knock it out of the park and still have time mm. to spend at home. And did you have to put any sort of boundaries into place? Um, you know, I mean, some women talk about, you know, that said at five o'clock, I, um, I stopped thinking about work or was it more fluid I was a little more fluid than that for me. You know, I yeah. would leave at a reasonable hour and then I was just kind of better at organizing my time. 
And you are uh, one of the founding members of the 3% Conference, which um, for me has always been one, I always wanted to go, um, which I must go. Um, but two, uh, I just think it's such a great conference. Could you explain a bit more about the conference and also what made you sort of um, start it? Sure. Um, I'm a big fan of Kat Gordon's. She started the 3% Conference. And yeah. And just right out of the gate, I was interested in, I remember she came to San Francisco and right out of the gate, I wanted to be a part of it. Mm. Uh, and I was on a panel, like the very first conference that, that they had, and, and I just could see that the audience was filled with women who, who needed the support of an organization like this, and I just found it really inspiring. Mm, absolutely. And to give a bit of context, the 3% conference is based on the fact that there are only 3% in the entire world who are women who are executive creative directors. And the idea, if, if I'm correct, is that the percentage changes if we've got more uh, executive creative directors who are female. Exactly right. And, and it's yeah. a difference, and it is changing, and that's the, the coolest thing about, about the whole effort. Do you go every year, or do you do a lot of talks around the, the 3% conference? Um, I try to go to the 3% conference every year. As an agency, we send a big group of men and women to the conference um, because it's beneficial, beneficial to everyone. No, absolutely. And I think um, it's been such an eye-opener, especially you know in the UK, I can't talk about other countries, but I think it's kind of put that, that sort of scary percentage on the map because I think people before didn't realize how such a small group are, are women in advertising. So I think it's such a great conference that you're part of. Um, but I also know that you do a, a lot of different sort of projects, because when I sort of met you at South by Southwest, you were there to talk about your amazing app that you've released. And is that right? You've done it with your daughter as well. I did a panel a few years ago at Cannes. Um, and they had, they had asked me to do a panel on, you know, women in advertising. And I, I felt like it was a territory that was well covered. And I, I was like, how can I do something different? And I started to talk to my daughter about, you know, what she thought about advertising. And it inspired me to uh, pitch can an idea called Daughters of the Evolution. And it was to get a group of you know, female creative, you know, CCOs, creative leads mm -hmm. um, onto a panel with their daughters and talk about what it's like to have a mom in a high power position and what they actually thought of it. Um, mm. So we did that panel and then coming out of it, I was like, wow, I don't think this is done. What can we, you know, do to, to kind of further this? And, and um, we ended up, my daughter and I, uh, the evolution into an entity and one of the first things that creative things that we've launched out into the world is um, this app called Her Story yeah. and that's an augmented reality app and um, it was inspired by there's a team here at, at Goodby that um, found this crazy statistic like 89% of the stories in the 8th grade history book in California the most popular one um, were about men, and yeah, there were really right. amazing achievements that women have made in history that have never been recorded. And so, this 
augmented reality app enables kids to learn about those amazing achievements that women have, have done over the years. Um, it's such a great app. And after your talk, I went to explore it even more because I, I was just so sort of taken by it. And I think it's such a simple um, way of doing it, but, um, but it's so powerful. And, uh, and, and the women that you'd picked up as, as well, there was one that I had remembered from, from doing some research on another project. So it's some really interesting stories, and I'm so glad that you did that. It must have been fun that you did it with your daughter as well. Oh, it's just, yeah, it's amazing to be in a position where I can work with her and put things out into the world that, that ultimately will make her life better. Yeah, absolutely. And um, would you consider this as a kind of um, a side hustle project, or is it very much part of the, the company culture as well? I think like, some of the best work that the agency has ever done is mm-hmm. kind of falls out of, of people wanting to solve a really hard, hard problem. And yeah. I think it falls into that. Like, you know, women in advertising have it harder. <laughs> women in general mm-hmm. have it harder. And, uh, yeah, I mean, yes, it is a side hustle. But yeah. I think it's, it's making the future brighter for, for women. Absolutely. And I do think that um, as, as a big uh, side hustle lover, hence the podcast, um, I do think it's a, it's a really great way of creating great work, but also showcasing other brands and, and agencies, you know, the power, as you said, of, of sort of coming at it from a very powerful insight and creating great work. I think everyone needs a, a side hustle. You have to do something outside of traditional advertising that really inspires you. I mean, Jeff Gibby has a tequila company. Uh, Rich Silverstein collects artwork. No, and I completely agree. I think sometimes, uh, you know, we've all been there with the, the briefs and the clients can be sometimes a little bit frustrating. Things take a long time to, to get done. And I think with a side hustle, at least you have a bit more of that control. Would you agree? Agree. And you're yeah. most of the time, so that, that helps too. Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted to talk to you about, because I was doing my research, I saw that you did um, also another side project called uh, for a documentary called Dunk. I probably not pronounce that very well, Dunkumentary. That's right. Um, when I was... Can you tell me a bit more? When I did Dunkumentary, it was a short film that um, got into the short film corner at Cannes. And mm-hmm. was, I always kind of wanted to direct a film. And at the time, my husband was a journalist and he had pitched an idea to Outside Magazine about uh, training to dunk a basketball. And I thought, ah, oh, this is awesome because, you know, this is a, a story that is going to have a distinct beginning, middle, and end. And uh, it's a simple mm. idea, um, going back to, to what Rich always kind of told, yeah. told me. Lessons Rich taught me over the years. And uh, it was a simple story to tell. So I documented my husband training to down for basketball over a period of six months. Oh, that, that was your husband. I didn't realize. Yeah. And uh, we filmed the whole thing while I was on maternity leave with our, with our son. So... I had a side hustle going even then. 
That's amazing. Well, you know what I love is that when you do a side hustle, you also learn new skills. And, and you really push yourself here in terms of like directing and producing a short film whilst being on maternity leave. Yeah, while producing a child. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> No, and I love that. It seems to me there's a bit of a theme here that you've not, you, you don't have this kind of fearlessness about sort of learning new skills or putting yourself in sort of a little bit more challenging uh, position. Am I right? Do you, do you feel yourself fearless? Yeah, I'm pretty fearless. I, uh, I don't know. I think like the bigger the obstacle, sometimes the, the more exciting. I'm always up for a challenge. And I, you know, I'm a big proponent of firsts. I like to do things that have never been done before. I like to put right. out in the world that no one's seen before. And they're, you know, thinking, wow, how did that happen? That's like, yeah, that's what excites me. That's really impressive. And it's great that you don't sort of hold back and you just go for it. And I realize that it's, it's a little bit my fault because I've asked you loads of different questions about different projects, but we've, we've kind of sort of went away from your timeline a little bit. Um, Obviously, you've been 20 years at uh, Goodby. What was it like? Because you said, you know, when you went on maternity leave, you saw some of your male counterparts, you know, getting a little bit, you know, further further along their career. But obviously, you, you're, you know, a female partner, you're chief creative officer. Um, can you tell me how, how that sort of came about? And also, how do you feel about that role? I came back from maternity leave and um, I did a campaign for Hagen Dazs. Um, to help save the honeybees, and that was, you know, one of the first mm. integrated campaigns, and had a lot of success with with that. And that pretty quickly, kind of things started really clicking for me. Um, you know, I became um, an ACD on Elizabeth Arden, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, later a creative director, um, and then much later promoted to partner, and then ultimately became the chief creative officer. And you were the first ever female partner as well of Omnicom. That's right. Which is a pretty amazing accolade. I mean, I wish it wasn't so late in the in the years in terms of having the first female, but it's, uh, it's pretty impressive. When I became a partner um, here, I was the only female of, I think there were eight partners at the time. And wow. now our partner group is 50-50. So we have 50% women, 50% men. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I saw that. I think that's really great. But being, um, as you said, sort of the first female partner in, in a room full of men, how was that like? Was that difficult or, you know, or did you find that actually you, you weren't even thinking about it? I didn't think about it that much, to be honest. I, uh, mm -hmm. I, I think the thing I thought about was, uh, wow, well, how can we get more women to, to be a part of this? So it was one of my yeah. to, to add more women to the partner group. And since we have, it's just had a big impact on, on the agency. Um, it's changed the way we work internally. It's changed the kind of new business that we pitch and the kind of work that we, we put out in the world. Yeah, I can completely believe that. Um, I think it's been proven quite a few times that diverse, not just creative departments, but also sort of agencies make for more successful agencies in general. So I think that's really great. 
Um, and, you know, it, it seems to me not only are you sort of fearless, but you have quite a strong sort of idea of where you want to go. In terms of um, of the future, where, where do you see yourself, um, you know, even next year or in a couple of years from now? It's impossible to say. I think the, <laughs> the, the platforms are changing so rapidly that yeah. I hope that um, – I hope that I'll be doing something entirely different than, than what we're doing now. Things that you know, are new and that we don't even even know about now. Yeah. Well, different mediums and different ways of releasing ideas. Is that what you mean? There's, a, there's kind of a, a neat story. When I became a partner at Goodby, um, a lot of people from the industry you know, reached out to me. And uh, the one note that I... I got that really kind of stood out was from a woman named Susan Creedle. And mm-hmm. she, her, her note, I remember what it said. It said, welcome to the club. And <laughs> that was such, had such an impact on me at the time. And I think that the takeaway is, and something that I, that I hope I continue to do is um, that we all lift as we rise and to bring other women along mm. as you have success in your own career yeah no that's amazing and I think so important um I think more and more and, and tell me if you agree or not I feel uh, more optimistic about the industry I think it's it's slowly changing obviously I'm I'm in the UK I don't know what it's like in the US would you feel positive about the industry absolutely I feel like things are changing for the better um mm-hmm. and I feel like you know, creatively things are just getting more interesting, you know, with, mm. with all the new technology, um, storytelling is, is alive and strong and it's changing with each new, new medium. So that, that's exciting. Amazing. And I, I'm conscious of uh, your very busy schedule, so I'm not going to linger too much, but I had one final question because we talked about the future and the future for your, for your agency, but we also talked about side hustle and, you know, as you said, you, you sort of, it's so important as a creative person to, to keep going on that front. Is there anything that you want to, to do in the future that you want to sort of accomplish? Well, I would say one big thing about that I hope for, for the industry is that we don't let data take over creativity. And I think that, you know, you have to connect with people on an emotional level. And technology can't always do that. So I I hope that data isn't the end of, of creativity. <laughs> mm, that's interesting you say that. In terms of your personal projects and, and whether you had a um you know, a book in mind or another film or another app um that you wanted to sort of create. Well, I have a um I have a an Instagram account called Out the Window which I uh, document, I travel a lot, so I, I'm constantly looking out the windows of planes and cars and, and hotel room windows and take pictures and, and post them there. So I want to continue playing around with, with my Instagram account. Uh, <laughs> Amazing. I have an ongoing project with my husband uh, called Don't Kid Yourself. It's a book that is not losing sight of, of who you were before you had children. <laughs> Great name. I love the name. <laughs> I was back in China two weeks ago, and 
I was inducted into the North Carolina Media and Journalism Hall of Fame. Uh, so that was exciting, but it also kind of gave me an opportunity to real, really reflect on you know, the kind of work that I've done over my career that I'm most proud of. And I, I think I had one hope for the future. It was just to continue using uh, the position I'm in to put things out into the world that make the world a better place. Yeah, wow, that's a really lovely ambition. And I think with the work that you've created in the past, it definitely shows that that's kind of your vision. I think I did it unconsciously. (laughs) 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 But I think you're always great at things that you're passionate about. And I think that that's, if you look back at the the work that that I've enjoyed the most, it's either, you know, done something, you know, good, like stop bullying or save the honeybees or... Um, you know, I did another uh, project where we created a breathalyzer uh, bag for Doritos. So things that are kind of that's right. The world in the right direction. Which is interesting because I think you know, and I'm sure you'll we'll all see it. You know, at Can Lions, that, that more and more brands are doing uh, things that are seen as good. You know, changing with purpose, but. Actually, some of the work that you started was was done quite a while ago, wasn't it? It wasn't, you know, it wasn't part of the trend that's going on here. It's very much comes from the heart. Yeah, it was definitely not trendy back then. I, uh, I'll be interested to see. I'm like, I'm the head of the film jury this year at Cannes, so I'm oh, amazing. Yeah, so I'm excited to see what kind of of, of work people are doing from from all over the world. Um, I think the interesting thing about doing um, more philanthropic, you know, work or work mm. with social good that as a brand, you, you do have to be careful because you'll get called out if you, if it doesn't ring true to, to your brand or your company. I can, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's what makes it interesting. Yeah. I mean, the way, you know, social media works now, it's like a live focus group. So if you, you know, put something out in the world, people are going to comment on it, good or bad. And I think a lot of brands get in trouble when they just try to bolt on or, you know, ride the coattails of something socially good and it doesn't really ring true to, to who they are. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And that's why I find that really exciting because anyone that wants to lie, really they can't afford to lie because it's going to blow up in their face. <laughs> so they have to do something that is meaningful to who they are. So as kind of my last question, is there any sort of parting thoughts on, on you or maybe on the, on the industry um, that you'd like to say? I would just encourage, you know, all creative people to, you know, I don't know. I think my single piece of advice would be to find inspiration from different places. Don't study ads. Go to movies. Mm. I go to Sundance every year. You know, read books, go to art galleries and museums, uh, read poetry, see that kind of stuff. That's where you're, you'll be inspired. And, and those things creep their way into the work that, that you're doing and, and that you put out into the world. Um, and then I would say, stay as scrappy as the day you started. Don't, <laughs> don't let your ego get in the way of, of being a good creative and great ideas. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Margaret, for uh, taking the time out of your very busy schedule to do this um, podcast interview. I've really enjoyed our conversation and hopefully we'll continue it. And I'd love to get your thoughts on how the industry is is moving forward, maybe uh, in a couple of months' time. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of This Way Up. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Please look out for more empowering interviews in the weeks to come. In fact, I will be doing a live podcast recording at the famous GNAD Festival with Pip Jemison. Pip is the CEO and founder of The Dots, dubbed the LinkedIn for Creatives. And I can't wait to delve into her fascinating career. If you'd like to know more or want to receive the following podcast straight to your inbox, go to www.thiswayup.io. Or you can also show your support by following This Way Up on Instagram. Exact links are in the show notes. That's it from me. Until next time.